Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 16th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer at HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. This edition of the podcast will focus on the Eastern Conference Finals between the Ottawa Senators and Pittsburgh Penguins, which is tied at one apiece. And uh, we'll also try and say a few things about the Western Conference Finals, which is also tied at one game apiece. And our East Coast, are you East Coast globally? Is that your Far East? Well, see, this is the thing. I'm legitimately West Coast. I am far West Coast. No, no, I'm not talking within your country. Your Eastern Hemisphere. Hey, what do you mean? Globally. Um, well, we're ahead of you, so yes, I would say so. All right, so we got an East Coast bias. Good. East bias. Yeah. Sure. Well, well it helps when my team is on the East. The time zones work beautifully on the East Coast for me. No, not the, the West doesn't work for you either. Oh, it's just, it's in the middle, middle of the day, and obviously I'm working, so they're not watchable. I've um I've watched a bit with um with those games just because the it was on the weekend Friday it's easy to consume and then uh, Sunday yeah. Sunday was a normal time for East Coast people so it was nice to <clears throat> see some of that the Duck games have been mostly ten thirty weeknight games and that's not conducive to to my schedule. No, that's fair enough, too. You do have to get up and teach kids. So, well, Pittsburgh tied the series back up last night, and game one was not very good. I thought they played terrible. I thought they sat back, and they're not good. They're not a good team when they do that because defensively they suck. It's It's really funny. Washington forced them to be like that. Washington forced them to sit back and be terrible in regards to the possession game and playing anything that they wanted to. It was almost like they couldn't get out of that mindset in game one and couldn't do anything that, you know, that I was expecting them to do. I actually thought that they'd, they would skate a little harder through the neutral zone. I thought they would chip and chase a little bit more so they could get the puck back with speed, but then I honestly expected the defenseman in the offensive zone to be aggressive and to actually push down because you don't want to have to go through that 1-3-1 more often than you have to. So if you can stay in the offensive zone, the 1-3-1's useless. It doesn't do anything for them. So I'm glad to see that after game one and them being passive on the back end, they were ultra-aggressive at making sure the puck didn't get released. It was It was a nice change. Yeah, game one they allowed Ottawa to come through the neutral zone, and you know they got enough good forwards to to make things happen like that. Uh, they gave Carlson time, and that's that's not a you're not playing to your strengths at that point at all. No, no, you're exactly right. And um, it, it, it's bizarre. They've done that most of the year, knowing full well that they're not great at suppressing shots, to fall back into a shot suppression 
um, format of a style of play um, just seemed counterintuitive to me. So I'm glad to see the game two change that. And you've got to give Ottawa credit. Like they stamped exactly what they wanted to put on game one, and they got the split. So they got to be ultra happy with the fact that they got that. Yeah, um, I've made no secret. I, I think Pittsburgh's lucky to still be alive. I, yes, that, that hasn't <laughs> that hasn't changed, but they are alive, and I just think that you should break away from the luck model and go out and try and take a game. And that's what they did in game two. Uh, their defensemen, and mind you, they only had five for much of the game. Force. Yeah. It's not an easy ask of your defensemen, even if you have six, to, to play corners and net front presence in your own end and then have them bust their ass all the way up to the offensive hash marks to keep pucks in. But tactically, if you do want to avoid the, the bogged down neutral zone, which can lead to transition for Ottawa. That's what you have to do. That's what they did. They kept a lot of pucks in. They didn't allow Ottawa to get going. And even Eric Carlson had like a 30%-ish possession game, which... He's unheard of. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a remarkable performance. And a turnaround. Night and day minus, from game oh, one. Minus 12, 11-4 and 23 against. It's amazing. You just... It's one of those situations where if you have Carlson have a game like that as an opposition, you want to take advantage of that and win that game. Yeah, because it was only one nothing. Yeah, I mean it's like um it's like when Pekka Rinne, who's been awesome in the other series, finally let in a whole heap of goals. It's like if you're Anaheim, you have to win that game. When he's when Pekka Rinne is off that top peak that he's been, you need to win those games. Yeah, 32% for Carlson. I'd say your tactic worked just fine. Yeah. It's 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 one of those things where um you like they've lost they've lost Justin Schultz, so the less time the team spends having to try and lug the puck up the ice, um the better off they'll be. They don't have the personnel for that. No. Cuz even even if Daly's in, for whatever reason, his skating, which is good, usually leads to a mindless dump in. Well, he skates his way to a dump. You're exactly right, yeah. I never... It's confusing to me, because he's doing the hard part right. (laughs) You got your speed. Now change your speed to create a larger gap. Like, slow down. You drive a guy back, and then you slow down, and then you can have that blue line. Guys like Malkin actually... and Sid do a lot of Yes. That. Yep. And Kessel peels off into the, the, the top left-hand or right-hand corner of the offensive zone once he gets the zone and ends up with about 12 feet of space because the, the whoever's trying to track him just can't stop that fast. So it's, it is funny. He does seem to have just stop and go, and that's it. And I, with the way Ottawa play... I don't mind it if Schultz does that and dumps it in because I would back him on a soft dump to beat the defender to the puck to at least make it a one-on-one contest for the puck and then 
you know, you saw what happened with Kunitz on, on the goal that Malcolm scored. That's the sort of stuff that I was expecting more of in game one from Pittsburgh with the way they came out. Kunitz has been doing some, some good F1 work. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. We Over here in Australia, we have a thing called like the one percenters. It's all the little things that never turn up on the score sheet. But all in all, over time, they add up. And those little things that Kunitz does eventually adds up to... uh, You generate shot attempts because of that stuff. And Kunitz has historically always been a really good possession player. So that stuff does show up. It's just not... The stat isn't F1 body check lead to turnover. One for that. It's when he's on the ice, the play's tilting one way or another. And those are the plays that contribute to that. Yep. No, he's um he's been impressive in the minutes that he's had reduced. He just does what he needs to do. He knows what his skill set is. I think he I, I I have to you have to give Kunitz credit because he knows that his hands are gone. So he's actually modified what he does to make sure he doesn't make errors in the wrong spot very often. And you gotta admire a player like that because that's pretty brutal in the head to be having to sit there and go, holy crap, I can't do A, B, and C anymore. I'm going to have to do, you know, D, what and F. the fuck? What? Oh, God. Do we... Paul Staggerwald will transition to the Penguins' front office. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, no wonder you just went nuts. I just saw the tweet. <clears throat> All right, let's put that on the back burner. What the... I... <laughs> Uh, I have no words for it. <clears throat> Although, uh, there's I a su- bonus. I suppose, I suppose there is the other side of that double-edged sword, which is um, not hearing him. Oh, wow. Okay, let's put that to one side. So that's now. good. Um, yeah, sure, pay him in the front office. Uh, yep, get him off the air. Steve Mears is the new playboy. Couldn't they just put Mears on the radio and bring back playing? I know that him and Root Sports do not get along due to contract negotiations. But that news is whatever. uh, Wow. (laughs) I thought something had gone wrong at your end on the recording. (laughs) No. Well, that's too bad. Mike Lang is the obvious uh, thing there. No reason to not make that happen. <sighs> I guess it's more good good news than bad. I'm I just a little bummed about you know the door opening and not having Mike Lang walk through it. I guess is my yeah. initial visceral response. But um, one of the worst broadcasters in hockey is not going to be doing it anymore, and that's a win for pretty much everybody. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, it is. It's not personal, it's business. And you stink, Staggy. Sorry. It's just, it was a bad broadcast for a long time, so. An improvement there, which is nice. So, sorry, I, I, I just saw that pop up, and I'm like, all right. Well, we'll see what Steve Mears can do. I, I don't really watch the NHL Network. It's not. I try not to spend my time 
watching stuff I can't learn from. So we'll boy, see. he's re- he's really looped around Mears, you know. He's gone from being the radio guy for Pittsburgh, gone to the NHL network, and now he's back on the team for Pittsburgh. It's a bit oh, of a it's loop. a prime job. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of a change. Um, back to the back to the game. Well, back to the Senators Penguin series. If you're Ottawa, well, what do you do now? Like you played a really good game one, forced Pittsburgh into a lot of errors, really clogged them down. Didn't quite go your way. <laughs> game two, do you just rinse and repeat? Yeah, in a sense, you do. They. If you really want to open things up and get into the track meet, that's not going to work. Well, that's not going to help them at all, yeah. This is what they live and die by, and that's what will happen. They clog things up. It makes sense given their defensemen are terrible for the most part. Uh, There's the clear exception there. And... You just, you got to roll with it. They're protecting zone time by trying to create broken plays and not controlled entries, and a lot of times it does work, and we saw that work in game one for them. Yeah. Also, for getting their ass kicked in game two, what was the final score? It was only 1-0. That's exactly right. They shouldn't be going away from this feeling particularly bad. Craig Anderson's good. He's been 960 yes. both games, and he's 1-1. One and one. Just goes to show you the goalie wins stat, you know. I mean, it's 960 amazing. is 960. That's great. Can't really yeah. have too many complaints there. Uh, what could they do differently if they're not going to change the 1-3-1? One, one? Well, if Pittsburgh's going to send their D to the hash marks, um... You have to have back support, so you you can do one of two things. Your wingers have to come down lower than the hash marks, and then when the D pinch, you, you can um, push it back to the defenseman and maybe try a reverse of some sort, and it would make the defenseman's efforts pinching, wasteful, tiring, that kind of stuff. Um, the other way is a center breakout. It's a little bit ballsy. It's very ballsy, and I saw them actually do it a few times from, like, passing from the corner to the slot area on a center curling low. That's one way to alleviate the the pinching on the wall is to not go up the wall. Last but not least, um, they could take a page out of HBK from last year, an alley-oop play, and just try to have their forwards outskate the um, Matas and Hainsies on the weak side. So they oh, could do those would, things and not change the one thing. I would back them on an alley oop play without a doubt. If you've got either of those two, even Ruedel, who's not the quickest to, to turn and go, um, yeah, I would definitely um, think that's not a bad option if they can get it out there because they got some quick quick players up front. Yes, they do. <clears throat> Uh, so that would be my changes I would make as Ottawa. Pittsburgh, they just need to, their F1 and F2 need to do a good job of forechecking inside out, and by what 
I mean by that is trying to force the Ottawa puck carrier up the strong side wall without a reverse option. So you're almost letting them get a step. Yeah. But you're only a half step behind and you're guiding him towards the wall. F2, lock into that center. So now you're either chipping it into the teeth or it's tough to have an alley-oop play when the guy's right there already on you. So, yeah. Yep. No, no, a little, I, I, little bit of chess to happen here. That's that's kind of what has to happen when you slow the uh, the game to a crawl the way that that Ottawa um, intends to do. I don't think it's bad strategy. I just don't think it's exciting. No, no. The, it, I, you give give Dorian credit. He assessed his roster, got a coach that could try and get the most out of that roster. You, I, I'm not going to get there and say Guy Boucher looked at his roster and went, oh, I need to play this, because this is all he plays. This is what he does. So it'll work for a, a couple of years in in Ottawa, and then the same thing will happen to him that happened to uh, that happened to him in um, Tampa. The players will just revolt, because I don't think it would be any fun to play. It's certainly no fun to watch. No, and that actually got a. I asked for questions on Twitter, and Ryan Stimson sent sent one. Mid to late '90s Devils or current Sens? Who do you hate more for their style of play? <laughs> I hate the Devils more because I hate the Devils. Yeah, you could get you could get quite passionate about that sometimes. <laughs> Here's the problem with the Devils. It's a copycat league, and they started winning championships, so everybody wanted to be like them, and that was shitty for a while. Yep. Not going to argue that. It was very shitty for a very while. I was going to um, answer the Devils regardless because of Ryan. But... <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, um, so... Yes. Staggerwald will be in a communications role, so it's a win. Well, I, I don't know how that's a front office job, but boy, that initial tweet was scary. Yeah, saw a few tweets going, what the hell, front office? What, what, what? So, yeah, my thoughts are he's one of the worst broadcasters in sport. See you later. I, I go out of my way to watch the other broadcast. Being in Australia, it's lucky I always get to choose between either or broadcast, and um, I will always watch the I will always watch the other teams broadcast if I can. You know what? I would like to see how this impacts Erie because I, I I thought he was fine before the switch to Staggy. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad call. We'll see what happens because I quite like Phil Bork on the radio. I think he's quite good. Um, and seeing as he has to obviously verbalize what's going on visually, I think he communicates quite well. If they actually gave him a chance on the TV again with a whiteboard marker, I think that would work quite well. Anyways. Um, what else from that game? <clears throat> oh, Kessel. <laughs> he was... Uh... He was spicy. He's fun to watch. On the bench, that was fun. Yeah. 
it was yeah, so it was so ridiculous that even Kunitz couldn't couldn't help but um, laugh <laughs> sitting next to him listening to him. The thing that's funny about this is that he he does this all the time. Like I've, we've seen him do this the last two years through the season. Sits there, puts his head on the on the wall, and mouths off to himself. He's he's more animated with it this time around on himself than obviously him and Malkin had a bit of a had a bit of a crack. But it's not frustration at the you know what I mean. The thing that's been most frustrating is oh look the Penguins are getting frustrated. Like, no, that's Phil Kessel in Pittsburgh. That's what he's been like, and that yeah, was and sometimes the, the cameras get it. Yeah. I mean, the, the gif that was made that was the whole paper, scissors, rock, that was brilliant. Yeah, it was funny. And, um, you know, people will try to read into those kind of things. And, of course, it would be results-based. And Phil happened to score the game-winning goal after that. So, of course, that motivated him. When, really, it didn't really have an impact on anything. No. no. Sean Gentilly wrote a good piece on that. You beat me to it. I uh, I linked oh, his piece. Shit, sorry. Into, <laughs> I linked his piece into um, my blog today, and he's right. It would it would have been results based. It would have been a rift between Kessel and Malkin if they had lost that game. Um, but it's not. And as Kessel said, I don't remember what I said, and it doesn't matter now. Didn't matter then. No. And um, Mike Sullivan spoke. A little bit about that, and let me find the quotes. It's hard to be ultra competitive in the absence of emotion. I think that's true. He said it's emotional. They're they're heated for all the right reasons because they're invested, and I agree with him. Didn't he get there and say when he took over there was absolutely no go on the bench? So he'd rather them be like this than just sit there. I think. Yeah, that's not. It's never personal. I mean, never say never, but like 99% of the time, it's just guys blowing off steam. Teammates know it. You go out, you, and then you play. Yeah. But and then there, you was, there, was, there was good humor in this one. Yeah. <laughs> just the mannerisms were good. Um, something else I'd like to cover. That... Um, Hainsey Dumoulin pairing, and I know that last night it got jumbled up because. Schultz oh, that wasn't out. that wasn't by choice. It's one of the worst pairings of the analytical era in the playoffs. I went to Corsica, and I unchecked the aggregate season box, so I just took individual seasons of every pairing that played 200 minutes or more, and they're like before last night. 108th out of 111 defensive pairings that have had that many minutes in a single postseason. Who were the three pairings that are worse than them? Well, one was, uh, I believe, Mata Daly <laughs> from, this, <laughs> from this year. Uh, but with Daly out, it, you know, I didn't really feel the need to no, 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 pile yeah. on that. But yeah, <laughs> two, two of the worst pairings, and this includes like Colorado teams that squeaked into the playoffs on PDO that were terrible possession teams. Yeah. They're terrible pairing. Objectively terrible. And it needs to stop. And I don't Who's need to appeal to the authority of the coach because he won a Stanley Cup that, that I need to sit here and pretend like that makes sense to continue. 
Who makes that final call though? Because the line changes and the, and the combinations are split. Because what's his face does the defensive pairings, right? I was going to call him Claude Julian, but it's not. Um, well, it's Jack Martin. Martin. Jack, Jack's Martin. And it's like um, he's he's running the he's running the back six. So is he making the call on the pairings? I'm assuming yes. But at some point, I, as a coach, yes. Ultimately, at some, at some point, yeah. you are at some point as a head coach. So I would, I, I'm putting it on Sullivan because he could, he could put a stop to it if he really wanted to. Yeah. But when you hear the quotes about Hainsey and all, I don't, I think he's on board with it. And all coaches have blind spots. This just happens to be his. I don't see positives at all when those guys are out there i, I don't understand i don't see what they see it's for them to get there and go let's just keep rolling it out this team and not, this, not only not only is it bad it leads the nhl in playoff ice time as a pairing this year no pairings played that, more in the playoffs now quality of competition doesn't do this to you because this team is rolling their pairs. You could They're pick just the pairings out of a hat and do better. Well, unless you get 65 and 8, one number after another. But yes, <laughs> you're exactly six right. And three. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, I like, I like the fact that they did change up the pairings. I thought that was great. But I don't know how this one survived. I, 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 don't, I don't see what they're doing out there on the ice that makes um, the coaching staff think that, yeah, this works. I, I, I don't get it. I, I can't see them. It's not like they're getting caved in by just the top line and Carlson. They're getting caved in by the fourth line as well. And it's like, what is going on here? Getting caved in by anybody who plays against them. And there's no... Okay, so you can get caved in and still get something from a pairing that something well, that would have that, to come in the form that of... That could come in the form of even strength offense. Come on. Ron Hainsey scream even strength offense to you? Hey, come on. Or even Dumoulin. Dumoulin can't... Dumoulin is playing her. I know that, but... We all know that. So why but pair him with a slow skating anchor and give him the most minutes? Oh, Again, no that's idea. a poor choice. Yep, no, I agree. Totally agree. I mean, another another player for me that has been bad relative to my expectations is Benino, and I'm not comparing what he provided last year to what he's provided this year. Just this year, it just feels as though he's gotten worse as he's, the playoffs have run along. He's been Brandon Sutter bad. Wow. Yeah. Last You're year right. he wasn't. Last year he was really good. This is um, a little unfortunate for him. For, oh, he'll still get paid, won't he? Surely. Not necessarily Pittsburgh, but someone will pay him. Pittsburgh should move on either way. No, I... I I would have said that if he'd had a repeater last year. They've got they've got guys 
down down in Wilkesbury that can come up and at least have a crack at the third line centre role. He's he's killing everybody that's on that line. <laughs> Patrick Hornquist um, usually will have good possession. That's one of his. Um, I think he's usually above fifty three percent, and you know some of that is Crosby and Malkin that that does help, but he doesn't need to be forty two percent when he's with Benino, and I think that has a lot to do with Benino because everybody that plays with him is experiencing the same crap. And without Benino putting up over two point oh points per sixty at even strength, what are you left with? You're left with the forward version of Ron Hainsey. Not a quick skater in your end most of the time defending. Yeah, sure, block shots, yay. You're leading because you're always down there blocking them. <laughs> That's not good. That, that, I think, is the most frustrating part about the block shot thing. If you're, if you're on the... If you're a negative relative quality to your teammates and you're leading in block shots, there is a problem there. And that, that's where the Eric Carlson thing is, is so amazing. Not only did he lead the league in block shots, which is madness considering the probability of him getting injured to the point where he can't play, and still be so good course four, you just get there and go, that's how you're supposed to go about blocking shots. You don't um, reduce your ability to create offense to block shots. It should just be something that happens to help push the push the puck forward yeah so I and I don't know what to do with the lines you you, you almost have to hope he gets better even though there's no evidence to suggest that because Matt Matt Cullen you can't give him yes (laughs) 16 to 18 minutes like you're not going to get a return on that no he's 40 yeah and, and this this sounds so stupid for a fourth line, but I don't particularly want to change the feel that the fourth line has at the moment. They they were the best best looking line um, in game one, and they look good in in game two. And it's like they've got a they've got a good thing going. Let's not screw around with a line that, that feels pretty good with itself at the moment. I think it would be folly to do that. I wouldn't mind giving them a few more minutes and giving Benino less minutes. But then you know. But then you're given like who's been in a players playing with them, and and they the, they have other decent forwards that need ice time. No, oh, no. I suppose but the only tackle... only option is um, <clears throat> Gensel at center, but he hasn't played center in the NHL yet. No, but you look at it; it's like Connor Sherry looks like he's going to get back up onto Crosby's line, although with rest you would expect. Well, you could do that. I wanted that anyways could... before the rust injury. Yeah, but you've got Hornquist has got to come back into the lineup. So Hornquist is either going to go up onto that first line and Sherry down onto the third line. No, and... I would put I would put Hornquist with Malkin. And drop Kessel down to the third split I would go back to HBK. If we're talking about trying needing Benino well what worked with him that did it work this year no what's the other option well it's doing the same thing over and over and it's not I know that top line with Shiri and Gensel can work and Shiri's that concussion slowed him down 
He came back. Yeah. He wasn't uh, good. I think he's starting to show a few more signs of being okay. He's looking quicker. When he came back, he looked slow. So I don't think he'll get back to top speed by the end of the playoffs, whatever that is. But... I mean, Gino's leading the playoffs in scoring. Let him carry Kunitz for a little bit, and Hornquist can clean up the garbage. Yeah, well. And you start with this. You you can change it mid-game if it's really not working. Oh, speaking of which, usually when the Penguins are having trouble scoring in the playoffs, I'll resort back to um, asking for Sid Sid and Gino. um, Just retweet that. (laughs) uh, Getting shifts together, and it's something that really hasn't happened since Bilesma left. I thought he did such a good job of putting them two together um, at the end of periods. just There's no more time left in the period. They're both able to go out on the ice. Why not put them together? Yep. And it just never happens. And when they were struggling to score goals in game one, like absolutely struggling, why wouldn't you just put all your eggs in a basket for a couple shifts a period? Never happens. It's... It's that single-mindedness of Sullivan the way he wants things to go. But when you're in a losing situation, I and obviously whatever you've done, that game's not working, why not give it a tweak at the end of the second period and give it a tweak at the end of the third period um, to see what you can do? Bilesman's last year, Malkin played 96 minutes with Sidney Crosby at even strength, which isn't yeah. a ton, but care to wager how much this year? Five? Close. <laughs> Good prices, right? Guess seven. Hey, I win. Um, so you can see there's a drastic uh, difference in deployment. And I'm going to side with Bilesma on his, in this very specific scenario. Because it is one of those things where it's like, I think the risk-reward on, on this particular idea is so high. It's like, why has it been totally, you know, why has that club been taken out of the golf bag? I don't understand. I'm going to try and find some numbers from the last four years for them playing together. Yeah, they're a 60% possession duo. And they generate 75 shot attempts per hour. That's a couple. (laughs) And that's the most um, for anybody with Sid the last four years on average, which isn't surprising. Amazing. And they don't do it. It's not used. Worked yesterday, Phil, Phil getting that goal. But, man, could you imagine if they just couldn't get a get a goal on that game like that and lost. That'd be a hell of a hole. Yeah. It would, it would be. You, you're down to zip. You're asking them to do Washington 2009. And and the thing with that, though, is that they lost those games in Washington. So this would be the complete flip. They'd have to try and win, you know, two away. But they don't, so that's good. Mm. Um, 
Flurry's been excellent. Yeah, which is nice. Didn't no. have uh wasn't too busy last night. I think somebody said he went uh, senators went 19 minutes without a shot, which yeah, speaks, I, speaks to how well the pinching was going on the other end. Give but him he could have stopped him and that's Normally he would he would normally let one in there. Those games where Pittsburgh dominated through his other playoff years, he would let in a stinker at the worst time. And thankfully, in, in, in this game, he hasn't. I, I just, I have, I have this fear that it's all going to go pear shaped for him because he hasn't had a run like this since 2008. And, and that's I, the, um, I don't recall a goal this postseason where I was like, come on. Uh, Yes, yeah. the classic flurry bounce or something like it hasn't happened. No. So I thought he played well. Game one, he was nine forty, took a loss. I'm totally fine with. You know what? I would have been totally fine with him even if he did let in a stinker and they lost one nothing because that would mean he'd be nine thirty, something like that. That's good enough. It is. You do. I don't, you do I don't try to micromanage it like that. When you're stopping ninety three percent, that's good enough for me. Yep. If you stop a hundred percent, which was last night, that's even better. So that was his tenth career shutout in the playoffs. He's starting to reach some pretty gaudy numbers in regards to wins, which you and I, you know, find a little bit pointless. Um, yeah, that's just opportunity and, playing on a great team. No, it, it is. But you get there and go, he would have blitzed a lot of these totals if he'd just been average in a few of these playoff years. You can, this year's a great example of it. He has been way above average, and they beat a team they shouldn't have because of it. Yeah, yep. He's and the reason. He, and now the wins, you know are building, 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 as opposed to blowing 3-1 series leads. Well, thank God he didn't do one the other day. And he's, Is there anything he's, else? Do we, do we want to discuss the Fanoof? Oh, yeah, you wanted to. Go ahead. I think it was clean. I I don't have, I, I don't have an issue with that hit. I saw in your piece that you thought... It was predatory, so I'll need you to clarify that. But look, Rust is coming across predatory the middle. Predatory doesn't mean illegal. Well, if you're going to run with that, then I'll say, yeah, he went out there basically to lay him out. He had no thought of separating the puck, knowing full well that the hit would separate him from the puck. So, And I, therein lies my um, philosophical point of yeah. view, where the league has a hit-to-hurt culture still. Yep. And I think defensively, you didn't, you don't need to blow a guy up there to make a successful play. And you can still be physical. I'm not looking for a poke check there, but Fanuf no. launched himself. And when I say launch, I don't mean leave the feet. I mean launch with velocity into rust to yeah. to light him yeah. up. And. Russ probably has a concussion, and I'm sick of seeing concussions when they don't. Like my pleasure out of that hit, take doesn't matter that it was on a penguin or anybody. 
Like, you go back and watch those Scott Stevens hits. They're cringeworthy. They're dog shit. Well, the worst thing is, in the goddamn... They brought those up on the CBC broadcast. And, you know, Dick Knob Cherry is sitting there applauding what it is. And you just sit there and go, this league still has not moved in its... Like, they haven't mandated to the broadcasters. Guys, you have to shift this across. I want them to hurry up and lose that goddamn case. So I'm not looking for a penalty or suspension on the play. I'm just saying that mindset, I don't like it. We hate to, the, the concussion knowledge and, and the short long-term ramifications of these hits, which I'm going to argue right now the entertainment value of seeing Russ laid out like that does not outweigh. Like that was Brian Russ that time. It could be a, Any, yeah. a player that people want to watch. And yeah. That's the problem with hockey. Um, Sid's out for a game or two. Well, what are you left with? Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh has other good players, but in a sport where the best only play a third of the game at the most is a forward, and a lot of the games are dull, I, I don't think you should be fostering a culture that <laughs> has the ability to take them out. No, they're, that's, they're pretty valid points. I, no one's paying to watch Dion for enough. And I mean, no one's paying for Brian Rust either, but you get my point. No, you, you're exactly right. I, I get what you mean. It's just it's one of those things where, like, the game was on whilst I was, as I was at work, and I saw it pop up in my Twitter feed, and I sit there with it, and it's like, that is a clean hit. It's like people just aren't paying enough attention to what Fanouf did. If you want to have that philosophical argument that you just popped up, that's that's definitely worth having. But I couldn't have asked for a cleaner hit than that. I remember when Fanouf was playing for the uh, Leafs. I remember he absolutely wiped out, oh, was it Hornquist? And Geno came in and retaliated, and it was like, Geno, don't, don't do that. Like... That was a, another clean hit, but it was the same philosophy that you were just talking about. It wasn't a hit to separate the puck and do something with it. It was hit to hurt, and, and that, to me, is just nuts. So those are my thoughts on that. I thought it was predatory. Um, I'm moving away from liking that kind of stuff. There was a time I would have loved it. Uh, the time has come and gone. And now, you know, as far as um, the result of the hit, Pittsburgh's going to have to, uh, well, they didn't have Hornquist last night, but he skated in warm-up, so I assume he'll be back tomorrow night. Yeah, well, like you said, he skated in the warm-up, so. Maybe we'll get some injury updates today. They didn't have any last night. Justin Schultz, I just don't see how that's, he'll be playing on Wednesday. Yeah, do you reckon shoulder or, or elbow? <clears throat> or wrist, depending. See, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be his wrist, <clears throat> excuse me, mainly because I didn't see it get jammed up anywhere when he slid in. It just looked like his shoulder. See, the thing I have with that as well is that's a two-minute interference minor. Hadn't played the puck. Schultz should have been aware that he was going to get hit, so there is a little bit of onus on him. But I find those hits very frustrating around the boards because, really, there's a very good chance that what happened – happened, um, not necessarily get hurt, but slams in the boards really, really hard. 
Um, the potential for injury is, is very high. God, it sounds like I don't want any physical contact in this sport, but that's not true. No, there's still a place for it. It just shouldn't be the driving, dominating force that the league likes to push. Is what else? Yeah. It's like they think that the hockey fan hasn't evolved. Yeah, pretty it's much. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. I think uh, I think Schultz is looking at a shoulder or maybe even worse, a collarbone. I just hope the shoulder popped out. They took him back, popped it back in and said, you're done. You should be good to play later in the series. Because that can happen if, you, if you're lucky and it's a clean pop. They'll have him trapped to the hilt and they'll stab him with needles, but it'll be playable. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Anything else about Pittsburgh? Ottawa? No, no, no. I think we're I think we're good there. It's the other series that's been interesting as well, which is good. It's not just the one. So, I suppose we'll shift to the Western Conference. Anaheim, Nashville, tied one game apiece. What are your initial thoughts about this series? <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like my pick to make it from the West is going to win it. I feel like Nashville are the better team. Are the better team. Um, they they feel a little bit deeper. Um, both teams have pretty good uh, defensive set, but yeah, I just two of the best. Nashville, yeah, I just think Nashville's is a little bit better at the top end. I mean, their top four defensive pairs uh, players are, um, you know, the they're good enough to be first pairs on every other team in the league, basically. And they're generating offense. Yeah, which is awesome. I will um, follow up with your thought on the Predators being the better team that the information in front of me agrees with you. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) The Predators... I'm sorry, the Ducks were a 45% possession team in both games. One was 45.28, the other was 44.90. So Nashville's had the control of the flow at even strength, and the only thing that why they're not up to nothing is uh, Pekka finally had a, one, of, one of those games. It's... Uh... Excuse me. I just find the depth on Anaheim drops off. Losing, oh god, what's his name? I've forgotten it. Um, thank you. Losing Eves and replacing him with Jared Bowl ostensibly is is not going to be conducive to pushing play in in the right direction um, at, at all. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't help that Corey Perry is not Corey Perry, um, and. I kind of want Nashville to win because I am sick of watching Ryan Kessler be Ryan Kessler. It is not fun hockey to watch. Well, I believe Ryan Johansson agrees with you. That was fucking awesome quote, that one. That was a brilliant quote. Yeah, he. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but he. Not that Johansson hasn't given him the business a little bit, but um, I I know what he's saying. I agree with that. To get there and to just just sit there and just do that. Just 
piss someone off the entire game, hack a whack, whack him in the nuts, drag him down, throw interference, knowing full well that none of it is going to get called. I, I think that's the thing that pisses me off the most is that he does it knowing full well that they're not going they, – they take the attitude off, well, we can't call everything, so we'll call nothing. And that just frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to know what it's like playing in it. I understand why he he says what he says. But, you know, that is what Carlisle wants from him. Oh, no, this is the thing. He gets there and goes, what do you need? And he goes and does it. Like, I'm not uh, trying to devalue his ability to do what's asked of him. It's just that what's being asked of him is garbage to watch, and I think he's a better skilled player than doing this. He didn't do this garbage with McDavid. Maybe couldn't catch him. Catch up to him. It might be a good point. <coughs> so let's be honest here. The information I have in front of me speaks to Ryan Kessler not being very effective at all this playoff season. His shot attempts against per 60 is 65.54. That is second worst on the Ducks. His points per 60 is 0.98, below replacement level. So people may want to romanticize about his ability to shut people down, but shot attempts are wildly not in his favor. Or I, I'm sorry. He's bleeding as many shots as he's producing but his shots aren't producing any offense at all well it's been hard to because i I have a feeling he's literally just getting i don't think he's getting quality shots i mean it's really weird like jacob silverberg i think has been quite good through this play he's been great and but he's 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 gonna cost them some expansion difficulties yeah how good has that train be that trade been for anaheim because Wonderful. That was the Bobby Ryan swap. Yeah, Silverberg's and, been better than Ryan. Yes, I think he has. I mean, if you not to mention as, the first rounder and whatever else was in that deal, and the fact that they didn't have to sign Silverberg to a seven million dollar a year contract that's only gonna, you know, look worse sooner than later. And that's not to say Bobby Ryan hey he scored game one overtime on a great play. So, <laughs> so I'm not immune to knowing that he. He's a talented player, and I've advocated for him in the past, especially with Team USA, but that trade was wonderful for the Ducks, and they're going to have to really think about, are they seven forwards 3D, which doesn't make too much sense for them, or are they going to go four and four, which Perry, Getzlaff, and Kessler all have to be protected. That leaves Rackle and, or Raquel and Silverberg. I like Rackle much better. Ricard Raquel, I what do you do? You're exactly right. I like do they let do they I don't know, because Ken Fowler's up for a new contract. Are they gonna sign him for what everyone says? Nah, I he, think I think he's the trade candidate. Yeah, that would make that would make sense. And then you're Lindholm, Vatnan. Tell me that Bieksa doesn't have a no movement clause or stone. I, I don't know off the top of my head. So. Oh God, I forgot Bieksa was even there. He's there. 
Is he a healthy scratch? I don't know if he's hurt or healthy scratch. I think they're better for it either way. No offense to BX's health. No, no, no. no. That's yeah. It wasn't a, a suggestion of putting him in the lineup. It was more a question of where's he supposed to be in the. It's a good idea that he is. It's, it's really, coaches are funny in regards to they get there and there are certain players that they can see the flaws in their game and go, okay, these flaws are really going to burn us in this series. Let's not play them. And then there are other players that the flaws are there and they either can't see them or just go, that'll do us. Like, it, it just, good God. Surely there's a better option than Jarrett Boll for Anaheim. Who? Boll. Boll, then who? What's, I didn't hear the other. No, surely there's a better option oh, than Jarrett yeah, Boll. The answer is In, anybody. Yeah, that's a, a heartbeat Problem person. solved, Cam. Put the names in the hat and pick one. <laughs> the hockey hurts hat for line combinations. Yeah, um, Anaheim's issue for me has been the up and down play of Gibson. Which is weird for me to say because I'm looking at his playoff numbers and his high, high danger save percentage is 85. Flurries is below 75. And his even strength save percentage is um, 9.34, and Flurry's is 9.29. And Flurry's been getting a ton of praise, and here I am. I'm about to criticize a guy with better numbers, but yeah, but he's he reminds me a lot. Bad. He reminds me a lot of Flurry, which is why yeah. I'm making the comparison. The average of how he's gotten there is. It's not a bunch of games that are 9:34. It's some great. Is it a roller then, coaster? Yeah, I watch him. He looks spastic. He looks. <laughs> you everything you're going to say here. If we go back like a hundred podcasts, it'll be the same stuff you said about Fleury. You're exactly he's right. He's too active, and he and when he's lost in swimming, he's lost. But his numbers are okay. I can't really. It's it's one of those where the puck will hit him and it'll stay it up. It, no, but it like squeaks in weird spots and it hasn't gone in. But you're like, geez, man, how much more of these are are gonna stay out? So does that just mean the team has to adjust to the fact that that's who he is in net, and you're gonna have to deal with the fact that just trust that he will kick the puck out. Don't try to overplay protecting him. Yes, absolutely, and I say that for every goaltender. Play, play your game. The goalie's got to be the goalie. The goalie, goalie's ability to do his job is independent for the most part from what uh, the players are doing. Which is why, uh, for me, I do not, um, I do not believe on a save percentage is a skill for for the skaters. Like when. Yeah. Sutter for yep. years in Pittsburgh had like a 9.39, or I don't even know what it was. It was ridiculously high. People were like, oh, well, his possession sucks, but but he keeps the chances. Um, to the outside. To the outside, or yada, 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 he had a 9.40 on my save percentage. Well, gee, that, that it's not 9.40 in Vancouver anymore. What changed? Oh, nothing? Okay. It's just random. If you look at the top 
20 on ice save percentage people versus the bottom 20 every year, and you look at the players, and you're just like, there's no rhyme or reason to this. It doesn't pass the smell test at all. Yeah. And then it's usually not a repeatable skill over time either. So to answer your question long-windedly, no, I don't change how I play. You just, goalie, make, make the damn stops, and we'll do our thing. Well, that's the problem with... <laughs> The shot that got blocked for Kessel in game two, right? Sorry to flip it back to Pittsburgh. Why block that shot? Which one? The the shot that Kessel took just before he scored the goal. So Peugeot tries to block. Well, Peugeot blocks it. Kessel re- retrieves it from the block and scores, right? Um, Where Kessel wound that, up to that's shot. That's just bad luck. It is, but Anderson would save that. Maybe. <sighs> Phil can no, that's, shoot that, from there. That is a that is a low danger shot or just inside the the medium range. Not with the danger. Mm. He's already there. He didn't lay out. He didn't do anything. Um, he's a, he, I don't know what you he want Peugeot to do there. I want, Get I want out him of to the challenge. No, I want him to challenge Kessel with his stick and take up space. I want him to force Kessel to have to go around him. And he didn't. Kessel just wound up. Well, that's the and, thing. And Peugeot did do the things that normal normal players would go around. When your shooting lane's taken away, usually you don't shoot. No. Phil don't give a fuck, though. No, Phil will shoot at anything. That's true. So, the, the bad luck was the it went off his shin right back to Phil's stick. And impressively... That release on the second shot was unreal. I know that that wasn't a laser beam, but yeah, but just to get it away, he got it away, and it didn't allow Anderson to set. And Anderson even said his skate got caught. But if Phil's not as quick with that release, the skate isn't caught anymore. I believe he makes the save. Yeah, he at least it's just bad luck. bad luck for Pajot and Anderson. Good play by Phil to make the most out of a, you know, isn't that the sport though? Weird bounces. Well, it's a half chance. That's that's what it is, and they're coin flips. <laughs> so, I think the next um, Nashville game is 8 p.m. because it's in Nashville, so that, that'll be watchable. I think most of the games are at 8 p.m. now. I think so, because when they go back west-west, uh, I think it'll be a weekend game, so they'll play at 5 o'clock or something like that over there. So it'll be nice to, because that series is going to be more interesting, just because tactically, for the reasons we stated at the beginning of the podcast. Which is funny, because Randy Carlyle, for me, is not a coach that pushes a fun style of game. Yeah, but he's also not doing a 1-3-1 trap, and he's got players like Getzlaff and Silverberg and and Raquel. Getzlaff has been awesome to watch. Yeah, he's... And and let's be honest, Carlisle has a wonderful defense uh, grouping that can push the play, even if they're not being, like, explicitly asked to do it. But the time and space is there, they're going to take it. And they do. I think. Yep, and they do it well. And likewise for Nashville. So you got two teams that are willing to 
the defensemen that are willing to skate and make plays as opposed to high off the glass all the time. So you're going to get a little bit more of a track meet that you're just not going to get in the Pittsburgh series because it doesn't make sense for Ottawa to do anything different. They'd get they would get killed. Yeah. If Ottawa didn't do that, they would have lost to New York, who isn't all that great. But Pittsburgh has scored a grand total of, what, two goals? Oh, yeah. One by Gino, one by Phil, (laughs) you know. But they're tied in the series because when you wait, 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 and the other team scores first, now, how do you push the envelope the other way? Especially when Pittsburgh is able to transition the way they do. Yeah. So that's it's, why the first goal is very important. Uh, it, that, that feels that like series. a first. So, yeah. And, you know, Ottawa has to be thrilled being tied, no doubt about it, but they also have to wonder, our goalie played 960 both games and we're tied How long is he going to play 960 for? Well, he has the ability to do it. Like that's it's not deny that you can't deny that. It's like he can do that for five or six games, and he's he's done it for two already. He's an underrated um, goalie. Yeah, he, he he is. But he hasn't and actually. He, but but his playoffs to this point, he's 915 at even strength. Yeah, and it just keeps climbing at the moment. Which means he's <laughs> been leaky because his high danger is at 83, which puts him fourth overall in the entire playoffs. That means he's been letting and in leaky, crappy goals. It's it's weird because, you know, he had they had a couple of blowout games in in New York. So that'll be where his numbers got a bit leaky, if you know what I mean. So Fleury's numbers look, you know, spectacular until he had games five and six. And then, you know, his numbers came back down to what you'd call, you know, good, like good to very good playoff numbers as opposed to ridiculous playoff numbers. And that'll be the thing. Like if Rene has a couple more games like he had uh, in game two, his numbers will, will come back down as well. I mean, we all said that Jake Allen wouldn't keep playing like round one Jake Allen, and he didn't. And and that's the thing. If you can't generate shots four and your goaltender sinks back down to their career averages or just back to league, league average, that's when you get into trouble. I don't have high concerns about this series as much as the Capitals one, but only Bobrovsky has a worse high danger save percentage in the playoffs than Flurry. And he didn't have many to, to worry about in, in this game either. No, not especially not game two against Ottawa. But I'm, I'm just saying... It really paints the picture of how fortunate to get by the, the Capitals when he wasn't exactly, you know, playing at a high level in the high danger area, which is usually the staple of um, how I view goaltending talent. So like, is that I, I, I view talk? high danger as the skill portion of the goaltending. Yes, because you should be which stopping the other one. Which flies in the face of what you would think based on athleticism oh he can get over he should be making the high danger saves and it's just it's never been a real strength for him 
So is but that he, an but indictment? But he's not leaky. But he's not leaky. Not at the moment. So should the Capitals have been able to, with his save percentage being so low and high danger, the Pittsburgh obvious, Pitts, the Penguins obviously did a decent job of keeping them to the outside or away from that area because it's like games five and six, some of those chances that Fleury let in were just gold, really. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Yet they couldn't this, generate any quality offense for chances in Game Seven. No, because what what did Pittsburgh do? They scored first. <laughs> well, yes, they did do that, but they they <laughs> were pinching their defensemen much like Game Two against Ottawa. Their best like defense a- is being on the offense, and there's really no debating that. Even last year, they weren't a great defensive team. They were way no, better possession wise. But um, their their shot attempts against per sixty in the playoffs is league worst, and the volume of shot attempts against them is higher than the thirtieth place Arizona Coyotes this year. That's how bad they're playing defensively. Yet they're winning. Correct. They're breaking the system. Well, are they breaking all all PDO rules? Um. Yeah, I haven't really looked at PDO for the playoffs. I suppose I can quickly. Uh, worry about it. It just that's what it, it feels like. They've got a high, a high save percentage from Fleury, um, and they've. That's got, the thing. It's not super high. No, but it's higher than any of us expected from him. Really, let's be honest. Correct. Um, that's. I'm not going to debate that. That's. I totally agree. Yeah, they're second, <laughs> second in PDO at ten. Who's, who's your Western uh, pick? Nashville yeah. is at ten thirty-four, and yeah, obviously Rene being yeah, being exactly. the way that he is. Um, I wonder who's shooting one the thing, best. One thing that concerns me is Jake it's Pittsburgh Gibson. shooting the best. What is their percentage? Nine point five nine. <laughs> Even stronger. Yeah. So one out of ten almost is... Not too bad, I suppose. And This is exactly why they need shot volume, because um, Jake Gensel seems to be missing some that he was getting previously, and there's that regression back to what you would consider a normal shooting position. Yeah, but he's he's getting that look. That one where he went short side high over the glove is such a goal scorer spot to go. Oh, no, you, you watch that and you go, oh, come on. And I got there in the back of my head, I'm going, come on, don't regress now. Just don't no, regress now. That, that's a – keep making that play, Jake. They'll go in. Oh, yeah, but I want, him to, I want him to get shots on net for that reason. He's a great shooter. He hit the post too. Yeah, I know. So it's kind of funny. Like I was watching the game and I'm like, this is how Washington felt when it was 0-0. <laughs> we're doing everything and this isn't good enough. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it, I just thought that was kind of a, a view into the Capitals mindset where you're kicking this team's ass and the puck's just not going in. You're hitting posts and missing some of these chances. After game one as a fan, I wasn't worried. I watched that game and went, okay, 
this is beatable. I can see that, you know, we went into overtime in a game that uh, Pittsburgh played poorly for what they're expecting to be. You could see that they didn't generate any speed, um, and you could see they couldn't keep the puck in the offensive zone. I wasn't particularly worried because it's like, well, I trust this coaching staff to actually make adjustments. They did. The team followed them, and they got the result. Yeah, it was a one a one nil win, but it was still a win. They, they go to Ottawa tied. Um, they can come away from Ottawa three one up. Like I, I trust this team enough that they can they can do that. They can also come back down three one. Got, gotta gotta own who you are though. We're not a, and def- they, not a defensive team. Let's keep they keep pinching. Yeah, and you know they, what? Crazy. People are asking. We we have. Um, couple questions uh, jared lassiter four two four two what will the mash unit that is the penguins defense look like for game three and todd cordell keeping with the devil's theme from, <laughs> from earlier uh, my colleague at hockey buzz that writes uh, devils and flames and does the hockey buzz hot stove um, plug for todd he's he's a great writer go read his stuff please um and friend of the podcast came on for the draft in in year one when we were the eggplant draft. It was the eggplant draft. It was. He was very uh, high on him, too, if I recall. He was. He certainly was. Why can't Mark Strait get into a damn game? <laughs> was his question. Yeah. So, I'm going to lump these together. What do the Penguins yeah. do? I think Schultz is going to be out. I think Mark Strait's an obvious candidate. And I'm going to take this maybe a step further if Rust can't go. Mm-hmm. You put Hornquist in, right? Yeah. Uh, where does that leave us with eleven forwards or no? No, if you leave Hornquist out, you're going to play seven defensemen. Yeah, I'm going to play seven anyways. I think. See, because the thing for me is like we've got a question from from Lance Fry as well, asking the same thing: Street versus Ruiz. All right. Now I'd have. Street in ahead of Ruedel. I'd have him ahead of Hansy for crying out loud. Yeah, but I would be nuts, and I would bring up the asset they've wasted all year. I would put Strait and yes, I'm going to say Puglia, and you're probably like, (laughs) my reasoning. Maybe I wouldn't do it for Game Three. I would monitor my defense energy level because I need to keep pinching. That's the you template for success. Yeah. Maybe 7D. And, and listen, I'm not playing Cameron Gaunt's over Pouliot. I never would have, but they Pouliot, will. Pouliot, has been, Pouliot has been practicing with the big team, though, out of all those reserve folk. Yeah. So, no, look, listen, he's a... listen that, I'm not advocating for Pouliot to play in game three. I, would, I just want to be clear about that. I just think I am. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna be crazy. I it's think a tough it's ask be, of him. It's a tough it ask. It is straight, but it, it is. But if you if you're gonna do it, do it in a situation where if they lose, you're not down three one. That that's all. That's why I would do it in game three. Well, my only my only rationale is keep the D fresh so they can pinch because it it is a lot of work. I've run similar four checks with my high school team with five D. And they get really tired, and they really sell out for it. But they labor, and it impacts. Um, 
passing, oh, shooting, decision making. When you're tired, you don't do as well with that stuff. And and sometimes we mid game have to make the adjustment of okay, we did that for a bit. We got to go into a, some some version of a one two two to to let our D catch their breath a little bit. And playoff hockey is very intense at the NHL level. And if you're gonna pinch 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 like that, as I do think it's the proper thing got to look at the energy level especially when you have Dumoulin's not skating fast Hainsey's not fast Modest certainly not fast <laughs> um, Cole's not even like fat he's not slow but like none of these guys Schultz is out none of them are ultimately fast and Strite's not fast either Pouliot not slow but not fast so you need to keep people fresh if, if their natural ability isn't like Chris Letang, where he could be on a three-minute shift and still dust Mata. And that's the that's the other thing with the decision to keep rolling the lines is to, I'm assuming, to try and keep them fresh and to try and spread the minutes out 20 each across them. But game one, Ian Cole played the least amount of minutes of the entire back six, which is criminal. Like well, you, you, last you, year it wouldn't have been, but yeah, this year. This this year it is. Like this is the thing. Like you get there and go, him and Schultz paired together. Like they should be playing. They should be. They should have been being played as a number one pair. And they I mean, weren't. If you're gonna keep them together, then yeah. Yeah. So, I, I can see the courage in doing it. I just think it's a flawed philosophy. Who knows? I might win them all, win it all with it, and I look like an idiot. But I don't trust it. Um, and then uh, Adam Messino had a similar. If seventeen and seventy-two are unable to go, do you put Kunhako back in or someone else? I think, I think we're both on the seven D train. Kunhako yep. does nothing for me. I'm sorry. What about his skill set? Says yes, this guy's going to break the one-three-one. He's just going to be blah, generic, chip, safe chip, not aggressive, yeah. play, make chip. Um, it's why having Wilson instead of him makes that bottom, that, that, that fourth line better. So, um, no, I, I just don't um, don't see a high ceiling with that player. And as um, I was looking up the other day, his penalty killing, his... Um, Shot suppression on the PK is not good. It's actually the worst among forwards this year. That's why they've been playing him. So get him out of the lineup when he is. So hopefully he stays out. So I think that's um, that's about it. We had some other questions, but they're more off-season. So Cassie, I saw yours. Um, I'll make a mental note. Yeah, she wanted a, a little talk about Aston Reese in the lineup next year, but I think we can place that into a future topic. Good discussion about the roster, especially Yes, we'll throw that in with uh, what Pittsburgh should do with Hornquist and Kunitz and, and that mold of player. So we will definitely get to that. Um, I did not ignore it. I just, <laughs> I don't think it, um, and we had um, some questions about Tockett as a head coach in Buffalo, but those are for another day, I think. Yes, I agree. So playoff, playoff, crazy. All right, housekeeping. Uh, Patreon.com slash hockeyhurts, hockeyhurts.com. Uh, 
you know, you guys know how to find podcasts. Just type in <laughs> hockey, hockey hurts, and you can get the feed and download it and do all that nice stuff. Um, only thing additional to that, ratings. Ratings are always good. Five star ones, very good. Uh, which most of them have been, so thank you. But yeah, if you got a, a minute or two and you want to write a quick couple sentences, uh, that would help push our podcast up the the charts for hockey, which it 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 has been, right? Yeah, we've both been pleasantly surprised yeah. <laughs> at that. So uh, thank you for that. Twitter at hockey underscore hertz at Walshy sixty six at Gunner Stall, hockeybuzz.com to follow. The Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, my writing about them. So I usually have an article out every day. So Yes, you do. Amazing. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.